Hi, and welcome to the Mike Kane cast. I'm here with wrestling trainer Josh Gary. How are you this evening? Man, Mike, I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you having me on, buddy. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, where in the world are you right now? Uh, I am in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So um, if you're familiar with Wake Forest University, yes. it's like not even five minutes down the road. So, Oh, man, that's fantastic. Uh, t- which school uh, at which school and promotion are you affiliated with these days? Uh, so the what I consider home promotion is AML Wrestling, uh, based out of Winston-Salem there. Uh, the brainchild of Tracy Myers and Brian Hawks kind of sprung from WrestleCade, which anybody familiar with pro wrestling is familiar with the WrestleCade three-day convention the uh, weekend after Thanksgiving. So uh, we've been running, uh, I think we had pre-COVID, we did our fifth or sixth year. I can't remember. The pandemic's kind of messed with us here. Uh, but I've been with them for about three and a half years. Now, how did you get started in wrestling as a fan? What what interested you most? Oh, man, I will tell that story to anybody that will listen. I grew up, of course, being in North Carolina, I grew up Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, Ric Flair, Four Horsemen, Road Warriors, Dusty Rhodes, the Russians, like hotbed. Um, I'm only 30 minutes from Greensboro. So like the first couple of Starcades were there. So that's what I grew up on was that era, right? Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express all that good stuff. So uh, 85 to about 88, 89 was really like my full end. And, uh, and I loved it. I had a cousin that was in Pennsylvania. He would come down every once in a while and he would tell me about uh, Bruno San Martino and Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, yeah, 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 but that's that cartoony wrestling, you know, us down South, that's real, you know, but, um, you know, got into it, but started to get involved more in basketball, football girls. Right. And so kind of, Fell away from it and got pulled back in about 95, 96. You know, we start seeing Kane and Undertaker, Stone Cold, NWO. So definitely got pulled back in. And I never really left after that. All right. Your timeline almost identically matches my own. And while I, while I did occasionally watch uh, the 605 on the Superstation yeah. uh, for, for JCP, uh, a lot of a lot of what I watched was actually ESPN's display of world class championship wrestling and the American Wrestling Association out of Minneapolis, yeah. which is very strange uh, because I'm from Boston and I live on Cape Cod, which is the I'm one town over from where Vince McMahon founded Titan Sports. <laughs> so it's so it, which is actually a a Christmas tree shop warehouse down Route 28. Uh, no more than maybe 20 minutes from where I live. So it's, wow. uh, I, it, I have to make a pilgrimage at some point. I'm kind of, kind yeah. of obligated. Oh, oh yeah. The little pro wrestling checklist. Yeah. yeah. And, to, and certainly WWE or WWF at the time was the majority of, of my, my live event and my, in my watching, but AWA and world-class championship wrestling were the things that I watched every day after school. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Yeah. That, it's amazing what national, television coverage can do for you know especially back then we're talking you know 30 40 45 years ago you know and again you know it's very it's people think it's strange that i know who the baron von rashke is growing up in outside of boston but yeah yeah. um it's also weird that i resemble the baron von rashke that's neither here nor there (laughs) i wasn't gonna say it that's fine it's right there it really is right there uh (laughs) you know i Again, uh, it's just it's just interesting to see how how many different streams of wrestling those of us who grew up in that era got. Um, it's oh, yeah. 
world-class championship wrestling, the great story always is how many international fans of the Von Erics there are. I've I've heard particularly in Israel because the world-class championship wrestling ESPN feed was big in Israel. So, okay. So AWA, uh, world-class championship wrestling, uh, even, even a bit of global, uh, I'm not going to admit, I, I'm not going to say there was a lot of it. I admit not a right. lot of it, but just a little of that global at the tail end there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. Now how so, do you, Oh, go uh, ahead. No, go right ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, that's a solid one, right? So, you know, sometimes people will spring, you know, Pacific Northwest on me yeah. or, you know, whatever, some of these uh, territory stuff from the seventies. And I'm kind of like, what, you know, so, yeah. but uh, I, you know, I've been in it long enough that I've kind of gotten a, encyclopedic type uh memory as far as that so i mean i may not be able to hold a conversation with you like i could about jim crockett promotions nwa type stuff but i'm aware you know because anybody that we know of or we've heard of they come through or gone to or you know somehow worked in those places so it's uh it's a beautiful tangled web pro wrestling is weed that's right and the funny thing is, is that Port, the Portland Territory, the Pacific Northwest, that Don Owen Territory, I didn't start watching that that stuff until YouTube. No. Uh, YouTube what, once, once YouTube, uh, uh, Rip Rogers would always talk about, about, oh, yeah. about Portland and yeah. about the, the, the amazing stuff with Piper and Buddy Rose. And it yep. was just... And, I'm I'm glad YouTube exists because it really gave us it really gave us an insight oh, into some of this really cool stuff. Yeah, the internet in general, man. Like you can go and uh, you know I'll talk to students who where okay I'll show my age right and uh, you know I'll be talking about wrestling and, and they'll go yeah old school but old school to them is like ten years ago and I'm like no 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 like go go back farther than that yeah. and they're like well who and I'll drop names that. You know, to somebody like you and I who have watched it for several decades, right? They were like, oh, yeah, you know, he was great or he was the best at this or he had this particular move. And they're like, who? And I go, okay, before I get upset, Google Foo, right? YouTube, Peacock Network, whatever you got, right? Look it up, yeah. you know, and you would be surprised. Some of these guys come in and they're like, man, I looked up so and so. And then it led me to this guy, and then it led me to this person, and this tag team. And it's like, man, there's so much out there. You got to get out of your bubble. You know, there's oh, so absolutely. much. And then, and then I'm just talking within this country. You know, you start talking about the UK, Mexico, Japan, and people just go, it just it blows their minds, man. And, and that's what's cool about the technology, like right now, how we're communicating. And 20, 30 years ago, never would have happened. Right. And man, like I, I feel decades behind the tape traders. Like I, I mean, I, I had this conversation with Brutal Bob and Brutal Bob was a tape trader. And yeah, some, yeah. Of the, some of these other guys who were like, who were in that Dave Meltzer category, who were trading yeah. uh, New Japan and all Japan yeah. stuff as early as the late eighties. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can say that I date back to the rec sport pro wrestling Usenet group. Okay. Uh, I, was a, right. I was a mere lurker. But that's uh, but but that but that is that's about how far I go back. Nice. Uh, how did you transition from being a fan to being involved in wrestling yourself? Uh, it's actually a funny story because I never thought, uh, like most people watching wrestling, right? The persona that we put on, that we provide, is that you know they're larger than life, and you know they're not normal people, and so there's not really like a you know go to this school to be on TV. It just doesn't happen that way, and 
Um, you know, some friends and I had always watched it and we watched the Monday Night Wars. We did the clicking back and forth, yeah. um, you know, and did all that stuff. But it was never, man, I'm going to do that one day. Like you see some like the a biographies where they say. Um, so one night I was actually I was in the Marine Corps and I was actually home. Christmas leave, summer leave, something. I don't remember what it was. And I just happened to be flipping food at my mom's house. And there was cable access channel local to us here about uh, 20 plus years ago. And there was the the Yadkinville Wrestling Association. I mean, that's how I feel. Looking back on it, oh my gosh, that must how it looked to anybody else. But to me, it was like, oh, there's something other than television, right? There's more, like, I got to figure that out. And so once again, dating myself, you know, this was uh, 22, 23 years ago. And uh, so I called the news station or the cable access station. And they were like, oh, well, that person, here's their number. And I called that person was like, no, you got to talk to uh, Kevin. and He's at this number. And so, you know, days calling this person, talking to this person, leaving a message with this person, doing all that. And finally got a hold of somebody that wasn't even related to the cable access show I was watching. Was like, oh, yeah, I train with the guy at this location. Come down, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I walked into this little VFW hall uh, across from the, the local regional airport in, in Winston-Salem. And uh, it was like, hey, you know, I was trying to be a wrestler. And I, man, at the time, so I'm 6'2", so I've got a little bit height, but I was like 150 pounds, maybe 170 pounds at the time. Oh, man. And I'm thinking, man, there's no way, right? But whatever. So I went and it was like you see today where you see the, the rundown gyms where they've got a Looking back on it, not the best quality ring, but it was a ring, right? I walked yes. in, oh my gosh, and, uh, you know, paid my money. And the trainer was actually Ken Spence, which has a little bit of a, a little bit of notoriety, reputation around here. A lot of guys in this area either train with him, work for him, whatever. But he's not like a national level, like, uh, you know, you hear some of these guys, the you know, the Hart Family Dungeon, stuff like that. But if you're in the mid-Atlantic area, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, especially if they've got some age on them. They're like, oh, I remember Ken Spence. Uh, but, you know, trained with him and had some really talented guys that trained with me. And it just kind of, you know, went from there. And just like I teach guys now, okay, here's how you start, you know, crawl, then you can walk, and then you can run. But it was really a tale that doesn't really – what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't really age well, right? Because yeah. people think technology, man, you can shoot off a Facebook message or a DM or, a, you know, whatever, and you can get an answer like that. And it took me days mm. uh, to get an answer about that. But it was a world that, like we talked about the tape trading, it's out there. You just got to do the work right. uh, to get into it. Oh, that's great. Uh, what, what did you struggle with initially? What was the hardest part for you adjusting? Um. Same thing that a lot of guys have to struggle with where they're focused more on the sports side of it and not so much the entertainment side, because, you know, I got into it, like I said, played football, played basketball, but I also did theater. I did drama. You know, I liked to be in the center of attention and the class clown, but uh, the connection of the two was really tough for me because I got the physical side of it. Uh, I was able to lighten up and, you know, not kill guys and, uh, got the aspect of, okay, you know, put your foot here, put your hand here. And I got that. And I understood that, you know, we're characters and we're larger than life, but like putting the two together yeah. and, 
you know, say I slam a guy down on the ground and then turn around and talk junk to the crowd, it kind of took me a while to kind of grasp onto that. And I tell guys that now when they train traditional sports, speed kills, meaning the faster you are, the deadlier you are. And in wrestling, it's the other way around. Speed kills you in a bad way. So you want to pump the brakes, slow down, just kind of get a cruising speed, you know, because you have to let the audience digest what you're doing. Yes. Football has instant replay. Basketball, oh, man, did you see this pick and roll? Let's go back and watch it again. And they slow it down. You don't really have that in wrestling. So you've got to kind of do it as you go. So those were probably the things that were the most difficult. Being the center of attention, getting in front of a crowd, sweating, working out. I'd already done that for, uh, well, not 20, but I had done it, uh, you know, for at least the last 12 years uh, of my life. So that was just kind of a continuation of it. But like I said, the marrying of the two was was a little difficult, but ultimately was why I got in because it's the physical contest aspect, but it's also the performance, the art that I like, you know, have, being able to, to make a crowd stand up and sit down based on a word or a motion. That's, that's the drug. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I guess what the, the flip side of that is what came naturally to you most naturally? Uh, well, um, I'll go ahead and say being a dick. <laughs> a lot of people are like, you're the most outgoing, fun loving, like laughing, joke, have a good time guy. Like, being a heel like there was just something about um not literally but putting on a mask you know like being able to go out there and not be josh but be the character be the gimmick be the bad guy be the the black hat mustache twisting (laughs) kind of guy and uh i really once i got it like i got it and it was like um i actually had some guys that uh, maybe six to eight months later, they booked me on a show and they'd be like, man, you know, we, we're sorry. We would have booked you earlier, but we thought you were really a dick. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, because like, I guess my, my work was so well done. And they would have guys that had worked with me and my name would come up and they'd be like, Josh? Oh, he's the most funniest, like laid back, like chill, nicest person. Like, yeah, book that guy. But I guess all they saw was in front of the curtain, you know, on VHS, eight millimeter uh, cassettes, you know, there wasn't streaming, there wasn't the social media. So, uh, you know, that kind of took a little bit. But then once, just like I tell guys all the time, it's getting that network, meeting people, talking to people, uh, words started getting around and they were like, oh, okay. So it's, you know, it's Al Pacino in the, the gangster movies, not Al Pacino, the now the the older gentleman that's so awesome to interview uh, right. so that one uh, but the entertainment i just i love being the center of attention and uh, you know my ex-wives <laughs> and my future wife will all tell you the same thing uh yes sometimes we have to make him shut up but uh that part of it and i think that's really one of the reasons why i want to toot my own horn but, but i think that's what's made me successful as a coach is because I'm not scared to be like, okay, you messed up and here's why here's how to fix it and be able to use words and hand motions and facial expressions to kind of get some of those points across that. Okay. You went like this, but I need you to be like this. It's like that, that helps. And uh, it also kind of helps that I have that personable 
ability to kind of just talk to people. So uh, people skills, I, I developed those more as I went on, but just the entertainment, like being the center of attention, um, you know, it's all about me. Of course, most guys in wrestling have that anyway, right? Like you kind of at least, at least a little bit. Yeah. A little, a little bit. bit. Yeah. So yeah, acts, you know, kind of being a dick when you got to be. Right. It's kind of like you have to be for everybody else here and you have to kind of be a little bit for yourself right here. Yeah. Oh you my God. Never forget. Don't get trapped in the gimmick. You know? Oh my God. Uh, well, you answered, you answered my, my next question. So I guess I, I guess it flows logically right into this here. Okay. Uh, if a student comes to you and they say, look, man, I need six months to prepare before I start training for pro wrestling. What, what would you encourage them to do for those oh six months? What is the I, maximum? I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to stop you right there. Oh my gosh. That is probably the number one thing from somebody's interested in doing it and signing up. That's usually the number one thing that comes up. Um, I'm, I got to lose weight. Uh, I'm not big enough. I'm not uh, in shape. I'm not financially ready. I'm not whatever, whatever the excuse is. Oh my God, just do it. Just do the thing. Just start. Um, click play. Um, drive to the place. Pick up the phones. Send the message. Just do it because so many people, like you said, I need six months to prepare. For what? What? Prepare for what? Walk in the door, sign your name, and jump in the damn ring. A lot of guys feel that um, I'm a big Gary V guy. Do you know okay. who Gary V is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love me some Gary Vaynerchuk. But his biggest thing is start and you're already 50% further than everybody behind you. Yeah. Or you're already 100% further than the people that didn't even start. It'll right. never be perfect. Just do the thing. And that's what I try to tell people. The best way to get in shape for pro wrestling training is to start pro wrestling training. Like, get in there. Okay, you can't do 500 squats. Guess what? I can't either. But can you do 50? Can you do 100? That's better than sitting at home and doing none. Okay? Yeah. You have to be around wrestling to get wrestling. So just start. I think a lot, a lot of people are scared of failure. You yes. know, because oh, I don't want to, I don't want to start, or I don't want to try, and then not make it, because then I'll feel like a pos or whatever. Okay, have you ever thought that maybe people are afraid of succeeding? Right? Like, oh, what if I man. do this and I am good at it? What if I do this and I make a lot of money? Like that scares people sometimes. And so I'm always like, just do it. The answer is always going to be no. If you never ask, right? No. I means next opportunity so it's how you view stuff i always tell people just just do it just sign up just come in just walk in just talk to me just message me call me whatever just do it that's a fantastic answer that is that is great ah uh, wow uh, that's an answer that's an answer i wish when i started at clicked in here yeah. oh my god now yeah. man well, starting from that, now, when someone does come to you and they say, all right, I'm signing up, I'm in, how, how, do, you how, do, you how do you start with that? Is, well, it an, is it an assessment of their fitness level? Is it an assessment well, of... I'm now, I'm, I'm glad you asked this. I, I never tell somebody they can't. I never tell Good. somebody they're too short, they're too tall, they're too skinny, they're too fat, they're too whatever. I never say that because who am I to say, what's in here? 
right? Do you have the heart? Do you have the discipline? Do you have the determination? Because you can overcome all that physical stuff, but you gotta, gotta have the work. You gotta have the drive. And so I'll tell people like they'll come in and it used to be, I don't know, maybe four to seven years ago. We'll say that I used to try and talk people out of it. I would tell them, I'd be like, it sucks. It's hard. You're going to waste money. You're going to hurt your body. You're going to wear down your car. You're going to blah, blah, blah. And I'll try and talk them out of it. And if they still were like, okay, let's do it. Okay. But a lot of guys, uh, they see the glitz and glamour of WWE, New Japan, whatever. And they think that's what they step into. So when they come to a location, like one of my previous schools was literally uh, like plywood walls in a warehouse and it was a warehouse divided up into four things, plywood walls with a ring in it. That was it. So it's not the Taj Mahal. It's not Ritz Carlton, but you're going to learn everything you need. So you got to understand that, you know, you got to build the house, got to build the foundation, build the basement before you get the penthouse, before you can get all the fancy stuff upstairs, you got to have that foundation. And so some people would be like, heck yeah. And they stuck with me and, you know, they've gone on to different levels of success. Um, but where I'm at now with AML, it's a little bit different because it's not my company. It's not my school. I'm technically an employee of AML. It is uh, a kind of a scratch your back, you scratch mine kind of deal where my brand, my reputation now sees AML. AML's brand and reputation now comes on to me. So we both kind of gain that. So Tracy and I have really worked together to say, okay, what's the best way to do this? What's the best way to do that? Tracy's a really smart businessman. So when it comes to like dollars and cents, <laughs> I kind of like you the man at that. But right. when it comes to like the mechanics of wrestling and things like that, then he goes, what do you think? So it's a, it's a real good partnership. And Brian does a lot of like the booking and like creative and stuff. So we kind of work together that way they'll hit me up and be like okay what student's ready who's not and so you know i have to give them an assessment but so we kind of have to have that balance of okay i'll tell them uh you're gonna bump some bruises it's physically demanding it's mentally demanding it's emotionally demanding Uh, you're gonna put miles on your car you've got to spend money on gear you know be truthful with them but at the same time not like scare them away and try to tell them we say come in and watch a training session because it could be the best pro wrestling school in the world. And if you don't belong, if you don't fit in, mm-hmm. then you're not going to have fun. If you're not going to have fun, you're not going to do the work. But you got to do the work to be successful. So it all fits together. And so people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll come in, and it's not what they expected. I will say that the current AML Pro Wrestling Training Center, which I'm the head coach for, the AML Home Promotion, all that good stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, social media plugs, right? Um, is well, we'll, we'll have more of those. Yes, we, we'll get there. But it's easily one of the top, I'm going to be humble and say 10% training facilities in the United States, at least, right? I've been at those where it's four walls and barely a roof and just a ring and it leaks. There's no AC. There's no bathrooms. Like, I've been to those schools. I've owned schools like that. So I get it. Tracy doesn't do anything small. If he's going to do it, He's going to go big and he is going to make it the best. That's how he's a successful business person. And that's how this training center is. So people come in and they see that and they're like, oh, so maybe they don't get that start from the ground up, put in the work. And maybe they kind of think, oh, well, this is, man, this is almost as good as the performance center. 
I didn't say that, right? <laughs> but uh, they think that it's it's higher level, it's higher quality than somebody down the street, an hour west, whatever. And so they'll sign up with us, but then see that it actually is work. No, I'm not going to make you do 500 squats your first day. No, I don't expect you to be able to run an international or a five-minute batch on the fly within your first week. No, like I've learned from people that work at WWE, Ring of Honor, New Japan, Impact, NWA, AEW. Like here's some of the best coaches in the world, how they do it. I've taken what I like and what I think works, and I'm putting it here. So baby steps, right? I first walked into a training school. Okay, here's how you bump. Try it. Um, Okay, double tapped my head. Probably Mm -hmm. got a concussion, but, you know, this was 20-plus years ago, so I was like, I'll tough it out. But nowadays, okay, WWE Performance Center, they're in, like, the crash pad ring wearing the the martial arts headgear for, like, a week while they learn how to bump. So it's kinder, gentler, like – Oh, rub some dirt in it. You'll be okay. Like, that's not how it is anymore. So we work your way up. And I've learned a couple of different things, how to work people up in the bumps, how to work people up into running the ropes. And then, you know, you just kind of learn the moves and the counters and all that. And, and as you can tell, I'm a talker. So you're going to get the skull session. You're going to get the mental aspect of it, the who, what, where, when, and the why, just simply by being around me, because I'll see somebody do something and I'll go, hey, I can't have a two-hour class on that. But here's why you don't do that. And here's why you do that. And guys will learn. Okay, it's your first week. You probably didn't understand a word that came out of my mouth. But in six months, when we talk about it again, you're going to go, yeah, I remember. So, you know, being honest with people, not promising the stars, I'm going to get you on TV in six months. Or you're guaranteed to get a contract if you train here. Um, We don't even guarantee they'll be on AML events. Right. Because there's a certain expectation of quality that we expect. And so that's why we started the Future Stars of AML Wrestling is to, yeah. okay, that's a way for our students to get match experience. Well, we had so many people trying to get into AML that we started booking them on Future Stars. So now Future Stars has become like this separate brand yeah. that has a high level of quality. So now it's like, well, shit, what do we do with the students now? And so now we've created it's great, it's a great problem. Yeah, they're going to be friends and family only, like get you the experience of being in front of a crowd. And you know what? If you take a shit in the middle of the ring and it's absolutely horrible, the people are going to be a lot more forgiving because they're friends and family. So, um, you know, not setting unrealistic expectations. And, you know, you're going to drive 3,000 miles in a weekend. You're going to sleep two hours and four days or, you know, just be realistic. But if they, like, as I'm telling them this stuff and they're like, yeah, you start to see that wildness in their eyes. I'm like, okay, they they may do something, you know. Yeah. Now, do you have any students that come to mind that you've had whose progress, in a way, shocks you because it was either so rapid or so profound? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, I tell guys all the time, everybody works at their own pace, right? Rome wasn't built in a day, and thanks to that Red Bull commercial, we now know why. That's right. But. Um, pro wrestlers weren't built in a day either. And I tell people it's your own pace. Um, I've had guys ready for a match in three months and I've had people train for three years and they're not ready for a match. Everybody's a little different. How often are you in the ring? How often do you come to train? And are you working out? Are you eating right? You know, so it, but we had this one guy, uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago and uh, had a good look, right? Like kind of looked like Kratos from the God of War games, you know, bald head, beard, tattoos, good body. 
uh, was actually a friend of uh, uh, Chad Lale, Gunner, oh, wow. Jackson Riker, uh, current WWE, and he recommended him uh, to come to us, and he started training with us, and he always did the, like, you know, with his friends into a pool or on the trampoline and stuff, so he didn't have that, uh, I don't know if I, he always was like, let's try it, let's try and move, and uh, Brian Hawks came to training one night, and uh, we were just kind of doing, like, little match scenario things, and uh, he stopped him, and he was like, hey, man, how long have you been training? And he was like, I think at the time, not even three months, maybe two, two and a half months, right? And Brian was like, no, 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 I mean, before you came here. Oh, I, this is the only place I've trained. He's like, bullshit. Like, where? And he's like, no, like, seriously, this is it. And Brian looks at me and goes, oh. And, but he ended up uh, hurting his knee uh. and some real life things happen or whatever. And he sure. Um, and we keep in contact yeah. and walk through the door next week or, you know, it may never happen. And, and I tell guys all the time, like, don't feel like you're letting me down because I've had guys come in and leave and tell me they're going to come back and they do. And sometimes they don't. And sometimes you got to step away from wrestling. Sometimes you come back, sometimes you don't. But man, I'm like, you're not the first and you're not going to be the last. That's so right. do what you got to do. Take care of your stuff. It's meant to be, you'll be back, you know? But, yeah, that was probably the one that really jumped out at me. It was like, oh, my gosh. He, like, just took to it. Like, they say a fish to water. Like, literally, that was him. It was just every day, like, leaps and bounds is improvement. Uh, and I've had some people that had hard issues with, like, some of the basic things, like running the ropes and bumping right. that it just took. I was going to ask you, who's your underdog? Yeah, just get that one thing down. and You can tell they get frustrated because, you know, Johnny or Tyrone or uh, – Emily or whoever, oh man, well, they got it the second day or the second day or the second try or whatever. And it's taken me three months. And I go, man, well, it's just, I'm going to tell you, you've both been in pro wrestling for a sip of water compared to me. You're both kids, but they started a month before you and they feel like they're this. You're the same. You're right there. But you know what? They're going to struggle with something that you're going to excel at. And so now you're going to be like, oh, I see it from the other end now. Sometimes it just takes time. Don't yeah. Let it motivate you, but don't let it frustrate you. You know, right. like, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. But not to the point where you're like, I can't do anything. But that's a part of being a coach that guys, they'll buy a ring and they'll rent a warehouse and they'll be like, okay, I'm a trainer. And teach somebody how to bump, take a hit boss, whatever. But there's a lot more to it to becoming a coach and get people to, like, pulling stuff out. Like, I've got this one kid. I think just turned 16, like may have ADD, ADHD type things. I'm seeing like some symptoms of that. Young kid, never like kind of got picked on in school, hasn't really done organized sports. And like, uh, he'll go, he'll come to training in two weeks and then we won't see him for a month. And then he'll come one night. We won't see him for two weeks. And so he's just got something there that a lot of the other guys tried to like pull him up and help him out. Be like, Hey, like you're our little brother. And, um, they're trying. They're trying to get yeah. it there, but I think it's just that. I mean, I remember being 16, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, and maybe it's that. Maybe he's not one of my favorite isms is that, you know, you may not be ready to learn the lesson that I'm teaching you when I teach it, but that's my job as a coach is to keep teaching it until you are ready, yeah. you know. And, and, that, um, and that actually leads to the next question really logically, okay. which is that teachers have, have different roles and things mm -hmm. over a course of a lifetime. 
do you feel it's more important that you teach somebody to do something or that you teach them to be able to teach themselves as they go on? Um, I am a big fan of help me to help you. Um, teach a man to fish. Uh, I've had people in real life, um, civilian jobs, relationships, like get mad at me because they'll ask me a question and I won't give them the answer. I will give them the information to find the answer, right? Um, I am a big fan of I'll teach you how to find the answer or how to work towards the answer on your own because I think that's more beneficial than just saying 93. No, like here's how you get to 93 or here's how you get to this website or whatever. Um, so I think that that one's bigger or, okay, I'm going to show you how to do it and I'm going to tell you why we do it this way and then it's up to you. I always tell people, learn from as many people as you can and find what works for you, especially in life and, uh, in life and in pro wrestling. Uh, you like what you like, you know, um, just because I teach it a certain way, maybe you don't get it. But somebody down the street teaches the same thing, but uses different words and you get it. I'm not mad. You learned it. That's the important part. You learned it. Uh, Go and learn it. Like, I don't care where you go and you learn it. I'm not such a narcissistic whatever. And I'm like, no, you can only learn from me. Like, I tell you straight up, there are uh, students, there are teachers, there are schools, there are places in this area that do things better than I do. But I think overall, I do a much better job than all of them. But there's some things that I lack in, but that's what sure. pro wrestling is, right? We amplify our strengths, we work on our weaknesses. I asked and you that so, for a very specific reason, which is because okay. I've, been, I've been friends with one of your students, uh, Mr. Porter Blake, over, okay. the, over the past few yep, years. Yep. And the reason I ask, it's almost a softball for me to ask you because the level of improvement that he consistently dem has demonstrated over those four years yeah. has been really something. I mean, yeah. not just not just as a wrestler, but as an athlete. I mean, the, I mean, the work that he's done, I mean, I've seen him do drills with guys seven, eight years younger than him, where you, you'd look at the two guys and you'd say, this guy looks like a college football player and Porter Blake looks like a good athlete, but he doesn't look like an NCAA football player. Um, yeah. And they're doing get-up drills and Porter Blake is as fast or faster than this other guy getting up. And you're like... And at first it throws you for a loop and then you realize, no, he just continuously has put that work in to get better. It's really something. Uh, yeah. He's one that um, when, when I first met, I was kind of like, uh, you know, because of his, his personality, yeah. um, it wasn't your stereotypical pro wrestling personality, right? Like he's uh, very devout in his religion, very uh, he's got his, his morals and the way he views the world and he, doesn't stray from it like he he knows what he believes in he knows what he feels he knows what he likes and he doesn't let peer pressure get a hold of him or anything and so I was kind of like I don't know but after working with him for a couple months like he really I was like man I wish I could clone you you know because of the way that he used pro wrestling like the passion that he had for it um I think maybe I could count on one hand how many times in like two years he wasn't at training. Um, and it was usually because him and his family went on vacation or it was something church related. Yeah. And so 
he might have a tap, you know. Oh. And um, but he was very much if he didn't understand something, he he would sit with me and he'd be like, Coach, why? Uh, explain to me why this is done or why this isn't done or why would a guy do this? And he'd be like, I was watching this. A twenty third, nineteen ninety three episode of BFE Wrestling, and I'm like, okay. And he's like, anyway, the guy did this, and he did it. Why? Okay, can you look it up? Because I'm having a disconnect. And he would pull it up, and we'd watch it, and I'd go, oh, here's why because of this. Instant. And he really made himself a student of the game, and not even just pro wrestling, but fitness because yeah. he was, like you said, uh, you know, he's functionally fit. Yes. But when he came to me, he had a little extra weight on. You know, he had been, he had stepped away from a little bit and, uh, you know, but he, he wanted to learn more and more and he started going to the gym regularly and he was like, man, I'm trying this, this lift. And, and then I'd be like, well, try this. And then when he got to the point where he knew more about fitness and nutrition than I did, I was like, go to this person. Yeah. He was like, okay. He went to that person Oh yeah. and then he started asking them the questions. And then when they moved out West, and, you know, he got the job at, uh, I don't even know how you say it, BASA, BASA Fitness or whatever. And so then now it's a part of his job to teach other people. I think that's awesome because you really hone your skills when you're able to teach it to somebody because they're going to ask questions you didn't think about. And you really learn the content. And I kept up with his social media and all his workouts. And then what he was doing with Rocky Mountain Pro and all those other places. And I was just like, that's one of them where it's like, that was mine. Uh, yeah. You know, you kind of brag about him, but um, he's never really changed who he is, who he is behind the curtain. Of course, obviously in front of the curtain, he's evolved and learned what yes. works, what doesn't, and things like that. But yeah, he's um, you know did a did a little stuff on NXT, you know, mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Um, that was kind of a um, I don't want to say an out of nowhere kind of thing, but it was um, I didn't actively push for that. You know, I just set the pieces up, the dominoes yeah. fell where they fell, and he was able to take advantage. And so I, re I really like that. Um, maybe would have made a little bit better story if I'd have been like, hey, somebody that works for WWE, <laughs> you know, I got this, right. you know, and then it worked. But, you know, I, I set people up for success. And like I said, he definitely took uh, his own path. He, he learned and that's you just got to be insatiable with learning everything you can. Um, you know, I've learned over the last three, well, we're working more on four or five years, but how to use social media to leverage and messaging people and reaching out to people and expanding my own personal network. Um, after several deep conversations with our mutual friend, Bob Evans, and, yeah. you know, he kind of took me aside and was like, you're way too good. Yeah. To be floundering where you're at. He was like, you need to do this. And you need to do that. And it was kind of one of those in a Bob way, um, tough love. He was like, basically, get off your ass and work. Yeah. And uh, I kind of went, yeah, <laughs> you're right. And the, just the way he said it and uh, definitely helped. And, of course, obviously, he's super humble. And he's like, oh, yeah. you did all the work. Um, but I pass a lot of those lessons on because through him, I met other influential people who I take their lessons and pass on as well. So, um, you know, that's just how – this whole community works, you know, that's how you and I met. Oh yeah. So absolutely. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, I've had students that could probably outwork him. I probably had students that were more athletic than him. I probably had students that were smarter than him, probably had students that had, um, you know, 
whatever characteristic you want to say more than him, uh, but he's the one that's been able to do it consistently and, uh, you know, continues to get better. And so when people ask, you know, what are some students that we should be on the lookout for? And, um, you know, he's one I'm not, that I'll drop. But, yeah, it's one of those I kind of kind of sad. I don't get to see him as often as he yeah. used to. But, you know, that's what that's what distance does. But if we're ever on a show together or at an event, it'll be like, you know, nothing. No time has passed because that's how pro wrestling works. Right. You know? hey, I haven't seen you in 20 years, but it feels like yesterday. And you catch up and you have fun. Right. Because one of the big things I harp on students is you just got to keep moving forward. Even if you fall, just make sure you're falling forward because eventually all that work, all that moving forward, one foot in front of the other, working on it, getting better, doing this. Next thing you know, you turn around and you're like, holy crap, I've done a lot of stuff. And it's just now kind of getting to that point for me that I'm kind of in that surreal, like I go out in public and people don't know who I am. <laughs> and sometimes I go to wrestling shows and they don't know who I am, which is kind of cool. But when you get, I don't want to say like fanboy, but when they like, there's that disconnect. And they're like, oh my, it's so nice to meet you. And I'm like, I'm just a regular dude. Yeah. None of this like groveling. Like, I'm not Adam Pierce. I'm not delirious. I'm not uh, stone cold. You know, like those are the people that we, that you can do that to. Not me. I'm, right. I'm where you're at, you know, but um, it is kind of neat. Kind of those warm fuzzies is what I call yeah. them, where you just kind of have that little sense of pride, so. That's great. I guess since we talked about a few of your sort of sixth year folk or six year anniversary folk, yeah. uh, the, the question is, is, all right, so in maybe three or four years, where do you see taking your stuff to the next level? How do you see, how do you see it, your advancement? Uh, well, um, it's funny because I would like to, uh, you know, your, your goals and your aspirations and your dreams change as you get older and you learn things, uh, you, you, you uh, enjoy newer things. And so I've really kind of the last seven years really fell into this coach role persona brand, you know? And yeah. um, so I would like to, uh, you know, work 30 to 60 hours a week somewhere making pretty good money doing that exact same thing. And, and, and I, I know some people that uh, currently do that at a certain warehouse in Orlando, Florida. And uh, you know, I have made my, wants, needs, desires, dreams, goals, whatever known. And, you know, sometimes I talk to those people, Facebook Messenger, text, whatever. And uh, and right after a lengthy message at the end, I'll be like, you got me job openings? Winky face. You know, like, yeah. I'm not going to sit there and buy, hey, man, can I get a job? Can I get a job? Can I, can I get a job? Oh, I saw you let go. So it's okay. Because that's the last thing you want to do. But you just remind them that it'd be nice or like, that's the goal. That's where I want to be because right now that's the best place for me to do it on as large a stage as possible with as many people as possible and top level talents and things like that. So uh, that'd be nice. That'd be the goal. But uh, AML itself definitely has some growing coming up in the next couple of years. I don't want to jinx anything or let anything out of the bag, but there's definitely plans and aspirations and yeah, that, um, you know, it'll start having more eyes on it. Um, you know, we have a real good working relationship with the NWA and have for many years. Um, so we've had them at WrestleCade. We've had the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship defended at WrestleCade and AML events. So we definitely, uh, and the women's, uh, NWA Women's World's Heavyweight Championship defended at AML events. So we have that relationship. We've had a good, strong working relationship with Impact Wrestling for a while. 
Um, my connection to Ring of Honor has really kind of helped that connection grow a little bit. So we've had, you know, some guys from Ring of Honor as well. And uh, so it's just one of those things we continue to to work. And, and we get the calls from Stanford, Connecticut, because they want to yeah. use footage or pictures or sometimes it's a cease and desist, you know, hey, like you can't use this guy's name. And it's like, our bad, you know. Um, you know, they booked SmackDown the weekend of WrestleCade. Uh, 30 minutes down the road. So it's kind of like, it's not intentional, but, you know, some of our students have kind of taken it as a, hey, you know. A, a rallying cry, yeah. Yeah, I guess. But, uh, you know, so there's definitely some eyes. There's definitely some attention. So that helps, you know, people want to get on board that, you know. Like yeah. maybe that's my springboard to whatever role or product or promotion. And, you know, if any of those called me up and said, hey, uh, you know, I do commentary for AML as well. I didn't know if you know that. And uh, I've kind of now also become the voice of Future Stars. We recently started doing commentary for it as well, whereas traditionally it was just a house show. And now we've got production now that we're streaming, not live, just simply because, like I said, if it doesn't make dollars, it doesn't make sense, uh, how to make money from streaming it live. But we'll upload it to the AML Wrestling Network, High Spots Network, uh, all the all those other tech platforms but right. um so we stream in aml well now we're going to start streaming future stars of aml as well and so now on the voice of two brands um i do commentary for firestar pro wrestling i've done commentary for a couple of others down at the coast and so i i i think i do well and i enjoy yeah. it to an extent it allows me to be creative and so if one of those companies call me up and want to hey uh you know, we want you to do commentary for AEW Dark or for NWA Empower or whatever. I'd be like, cool. Yeah. But inside, I'd probably be going, you know, <laughs> um, I'm not going to turn down, you know, and students will tell me, hey, coach, what if they uh, wanted you to come in and get squashed by Goldberg, you know, in front of 10,000 people in Charlotte or whatever like that? I'd be like, as long as that check says WWE, let's do it. Um, but I don't have qualms. I'm not going to be an in-ring talent. You know, I'm not going to bump. I'm not going to whatever. So an interviewer, a commentary, uh, coach, uh, creative, writer, agent, whatever, like any of those, I'd definitely be more than happy as long as I'm able to be involved in wrestling in a capacity that also allows me to be creative and help others. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So uh, AML allows me to do that now and possibly for the next little bit and maybe further. But, you know, we never know. I never want to uh, paint myself into a corner, you know. Josh, if you could just tell tell the people listening where they can find AML on social media and then yep. where, where they can find you and can sign up for, for coaching. So or for we make it super easy. Um, you can pretty much search AML anywhere and it's going to pull us, pull us up, right? Like it's not going to pull up someplace in Pakistan or South Africa or anything like AML is America's Most Light, which is the like parent company of Tracy Myers dealership and like uh, dealer community. I'm not exactly sure how that works. So that's why it's AML wrestling. People always ask that, but it's AML wrestling on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think it's even on LinkedIn. We're on TikTok. Um, maybe Snapchat. I'm not sure, but uh, it's AML wrestling, however you want it. And then we also have on Facebook and Instagram, we actually have future stars of AML wrestling as well. Uh, Twitter kind of does all of it just simply because how Twitter works, you got to keep it, keep it, keep it. So we do all of it just through it. And then uh, mine's pretty simple, except for there's a couple other Josh Gary's out there. So 
Um, Josh Gary on Facebook, Josh Gary on Instagram, and I think LinkedIn, but Twitter is the Josh Gary. So, um, but if you start typing Coach Josh, like it pulls them up. Um, I'm like the first three or four pages on Google. Like, uh, there's not many Josh Gary's out there, right? So, uh, if you're having issues finding a certain social media platform, I have a Snapchat, don't really use it that much not on TikTok yet. So like, if you can't find me, it's probably because maybe I'm not there, not a big presence, uh, but the big three, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, I'm there. You can find me on a couple of others. And I'm on some weird sites I've never heard of before, but it comes up in Google apparently, but um, that's the, the data age, you know, but we keep it super simple. And that's why I tell students as well, like don't make it super complicated. Don't be like super bestest pro wrestling coach ever, seven, eight, nine, four, five, seven. Nobody's going to find you, you know, make it your name, make it who you are and what you do and uh, keep it simple. So it's easy to contact me. And you know what? I tell people all the time, you got questions, send me messages. I try to reply within 24 hours. Sometimes I can't, but within 24 hours, I can at least say, Hey, I got it. I'll give you an answer whenever. But uh, I have people hit me up all the time, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable on. Um, I have people sending me matches, sending me resumes, sending me, you know, whatever. Um, I've seen some really good stuff and I've seen some really bad stuff and everything in between, but I try to help everybody. So definitely make myself as searchable as possible. Send me messages. That's like, that's what I want. That's what I'm here for, here to help. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Josh Gary, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, buddy. Have thank a you, wonderful man. night. And remember, everybody, just get started. That's it. I love it.